Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 67369. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming it's like <laughs> follow us for free on apple podcasts and all major podcast platforms for more information go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our instagram or tiktok at chinwagpod or on twitter at chinwag underscore pod when you listen to nobody listens to paula poundstone the comedy podcast you get a belly full of laughs and a head full of real information our gallimaufry of expert guests answer questions on stuff adults need to know. I have mold in my dwelling. What do I do? What's gerrymandering? What happens chemically when I fall in love? How do I handle a parent-teacher conference? What are microbes? Listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Solve problems, get laughs. R Slash is a hilarious podcast where Dabney Bailey uses ridiculous voices and emotions to read aloud the week's craziest Reddit posts. He reenacts various Reddit threads covering wild stories and secrets, petty revenge, relationships, and much more. So if you're looking for a daily distraction and a laugh, check out R Slash wherever you get your podcasts. I got a note about this later, but I feel like this movie was the peak of dvd purchases i think everything post smoke and aces is a decline in dvd sales so it caused the decline or it 
was the last DVD that really sold a ton of copies. Yeah, I think it's kind of the last of the DVD Mohicans in that respect. I'm open to the idea that it caused the decline because it what what a what a brutal movie. Smoking Aces. God, I'll stop on that every time just to hate watch it. I get so mad at Jeremy Piven for using shitty entourage fame. And that was a mountain of elephant crap to parlay it into that. Like he could have chosen any movie he could have wanted. I could not imagine spending three hours on something that I didn't like (laughs) after 10 minutes. You don't like it. You are a weird individual to keep watching. What are you, nuts? You dedicated a week of your life to dislike something? Get a hobby, knit something, go for a walk. Previously on Cinephobe. How am I supposed to go back to the me before all of this pain? Excuse me? We're new in town and we've never had sex before. Would you give us a hand? I would have rather seen his cock. Out of way, Bobby! This episode in this movie exists. You bet your sweet ass I saw a lawnmower, man. Oh, Teddy. I'll call some guys from my neck of the woods. We're not talking, Brooke, about a couple of queens who know a few grapples. We're talking about Polacks that don't have a goddamn future. You have a stupid heart and a stupid brain. Regular Einstein. You think I'm a cow and you're wrong. I'm not a coward. You're the coward. I'm not a coward. I love cocaine. I do it all the time. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't mean fag like homosexual. I mean fag like retard. I got nukes shooting out of my dick right now. I've got so many nukes. Dick nukes. I mean, look at this buffet of ass. Mouth to dildo, dildo ass, ass to ass. Hi, Brant. Anal bees. I'm the goddamn talent, Maze. Look, Gene, I've never told anyone this before. My head! But I can suck my own dick. I do it a lot. 10.38, this movie is shit. You don't know shit! Holy shit, bro! I had the same note, too! I swear to God, both of you guys are the biggest fucking liars in the world. Howdy, howdy, howdy. You should have saved this for the train. All right, au revoir, Lubin. Lisa, solid. Oh, I mean, why don't you just be like a regular person and dream about regular threesomes? Like clones. Give me some soul, kisses, baby! Hey, beautiful! What? Oh! Dang! Oh! Oh! My nose! I can't indulge this comparison to a person that I mean may or may not know in a movie that has nothing to do with this podcast. That's some 20th century shit, bitch. We will tangle ass. Say hi to your mother for me. And you will lose. What's the end game? Okay, now everyone's dead. What is fucking Spence from Ballers? Who cares what the end game is? <laughs> Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amino Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. Patreon.com slash Count the Dings. Get all of our exclusive content, the extra stuff, the holiday episodes, the game shows, the upcoming catching up of Ass On, Ass Off. Oh, yeah. Man, we are moving up these Apple Podcast rankings. We're getting more and more reviews. We need more reviews, though. Last I checked, we were at 870 reviews. 
Almost all of them five stars, which is fantastic turnout. I'm very happy about that. Let me tell you this, though, listeners. If you haven't left an Apple podcast review, leave one. Leave a five-star review. If we're not at 1,000 by next week, podcast is over. I'm cutting it off. That's a threat. Review it. Uh, it's like Diddy. Diddy's like, I'm shutting down the studio. Shut down the studio. <laughs> you keep fucking up my man's words. I'm shutting down the studio. What are you doing? Your taxes, Ness? Is that what's hot on the streets right now? <laughs> That's uh... <laughs> If you have a submission for Cinephobe, submit it. Just needs to be 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience or critic score. Or if it's 41%, we get down to 40%. That counts too, even though Rotten Tomatoes is silencing and censoring our listeners. We won't have it, Cinephobiacs. It's a new month, the month of May. In the month of May, we're going to bring back an old friend into the mix. Because May is Ben Affleck month. You're right. Anthony Mays made the first selection this month, and he picked the 2006 action crime comedy, Smoking Aces. What do you got, Mays? Action thriller. Action thriller? Again, I think Mays wins. I think that's a draw. I think that's the first draw in a long time, though. It's been... It's the closest. It's been nothing but knockouts week after week in Wikipedia versus IMDb, but I'm not sure what this movie is. Is it a comedy? Because it's not funny. And there's actually not much action. Were you thrilled at any point? I was thrilled when it was done. (laughs) Smoke and Aces has a ridiculous cast that stars repeat offender Ben Affleck. I wish I knew how to quit you. Well, stars is a loose word. He's in about six minutes of that movie. But you may remember him from the previous Cinephobe episode of Geely. Huh? The old Geely episode. In 2006, Ben was coming off of Jersey Girls, which I mean, I believe you thought Gigli was for most of that movie. I did. And Surviving Christmas in 2004. He had this movie in 2006, along with Man About Town, Clerks 2, and Hollywoodland. And then in 2009, he was in He's Just Not That Into You, State of Play, and Extract. The comeback starts when he directs Gone Baby Gone in 2007, though. This is the end of the Affleck cinephobe period, which I'm sure we will explore more in the coming months. Yes, we 100% will. Aces also stars four-time repeat offender Ryan Reynolds. You may remember him from R.I.P.D., A Million Ways to Die in the West, and Six Underground. He was also in Amityville Horror, Waiting, and Just Friends in 2005. He was in The Nines in 2007. We get repeat offender Jeremy Piven. I mean, I know you're asking yourself, what was Jeremy Piven in that we've already done? What was he in? Scary Movie 3. (laughs) Which admittedly, I do not remember. He's the newscaster when the guy changes the teleprompter. All right. So yeah, he was in Scary Movie 3. Uh, In 2005, he was in Future Cinephobe 2 for the money. He was in Cars in 2006 and The Kingdom in 2007. And the Entourage run was from 2004 to 2011. Ari Gold. Suck mm. it out, bitch. We also get repeat offender Taraji P. Henson from Coffee and Kareem. She had Hustle and Flow in 2005. We get repeat offender Peter Berg from The Great White Hype and Spencer Confidential. Directed Friday Night Lights and appeared in Collateral in 2004. Chris Pine, repeat offender from Horrible Bosses 2. Yes. This was his cinematic debut, I believe. No way. Three years oh, wow. before he was Captain Kirk in the Star Trek reboot. You know, it's funny. I was watching it. And I was thinking like, wow, that's a pretty good cameo they got. <laughs> I was thinking about him like, yo, they got this star. This was a big break. Oh, wow. Wow. About that? Well, I think the same could really be said about Ryan Reynolds. Like he was a comedy guy. 
breaking more into the action role. Like he'd done Blade Trinity, but that's really it. We get Kevin Durand. Yes. Not Durant. Kevin Durand, repeat offender from Primal. Bootleg Nick Cage. Yeah, bootleg Nick Cage. A lot more diesel in this role. I was like, it looks like him, but it's like, yo, he's just, he's big, like very well built. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he's logging more minutes at the five in this movie. (laughs) He was four-time repeat offender Jason Bateman. Horrible Bosses 2, The Breakup, and Teen Wolf 2. Arrested Development from 03 to 06. Woo! Pretty soon we're going to have to put him on the cinephobe slide, you know? We're going to take Amy Schumer off? <laughs> no. <laughs> She's going to be there forever. And then Pancake Eaten Motherfucker and Repeat Offender, Patrick St. Etzperi, who was in I Am Wrath and is in Future Cinephobe Draft Day. And then we also get Ray Liotta in this movie. Yeah. He did NARC with Joe Carnahan, the director. And he was in Slow Burn and Revolver in 2005, Local Color, Even Money, and Comeback Season in 2006, and then Wild Hogs in 2007. Future Cinephobe. Oh, that's that's the turn right there. (laughs) Andy Garcia is in this. He had Ocean's 13 coming out the next year. And then we also get the film debuts for Common and Alicia Keys. Common did this. American Gangster, Street Kings, which I don't think qualifies, but it's a great movie, Wanted, and Terminator Salvation. Also in the cast, we've got Nestor Carbonell, the darkest eyelashes in the game. He was on Lost. He's also the mayor in The Dark Knight. That's right. Got Curtis Armstrong, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Wow. Who was he in this movie? He's Mecklin, the agent. Joel Edgerton who is Uncle Owen in the Star Wars prequels and would go on to have a pretty solid career. This is like before he blew up too. Matthew Fox, another person from Lost, along with Nestor Carbonell and Kevin Durand. He turned his starring role in Lost into this movie, We Are Marshall, Vantage Point, and Speed Racer. Yeah, it turns out he's a shitty actor. Turns out it's not that good. That we just kept putting things. Those four movies, I can see, you know, sometimes we're like, why would you do that? Like Caruso, like, oh my God. But I won't lie, those four movies, those sound like solid bets. Okay, we want you to star in this ensemble cast that has all of these big name actors and it's like a big heist movie. Okay, I'm with it. That's in right now, like Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12. Okay, what else you got for me? They're going to take Speed Race, remember the cartoon? They're making it into a live action. Like, oh my God. You're going to be the bad guy. It's the guys who made The Matrix. It's going to be a franchise. It's going to be one of the biggest movies of the year. Good. We are Marshall. Come on, man. This is a Disney movie based on a true story. It's an inspirational story. And Matthew McConaughey is, is, is attached to it. Fuck. Sign me up. What's the fourth one? Vantage Point? Vantage Point. The Snake Eyes ripoff. <laughs> Yo, Vantage Point. It's like eight different Vantage Points in that movie, right? Yeah. And there's a point I remember in the theater. Should have been called Vantage Points. Where it had done like three Vantage Points at that point. And then it goes and does the same reset for the fourth one. And a guy in a full theater was like, oh, come the fuck on. We get it. And it and the entire theater lost it because we were all feeling the same thing. This movie written and directed by Joe Carnahan. He directed and wrote NARC, The A-Team. And the gray, he also might be remaking the raid. This is still getting work. And uh, he wrote Bad Boys for Life. God. The synopsis for Smoke and Aces. When a Las Vegas performer turned snitch named Buddy Israel decides to turn state's evidence and testify against the mob, it seems that a whole lot of people would like to make sure he's no longer breathing. See, like the synopsis already makes me not interested in this movie that I've already seen. <laughs> Tagline, the only way to even the score is to take Buddy Israel out of the game. What? 
terrible. That the, even what score? Well, let's see if these other eight taglines do it for you. Jesus Christ. May the best hitman win. More accurate. The hit goes down, 2007. Accurate. Nobody gets away clean. Accurate. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much so much gore in this movie. When you're worth $1 million dead, you don't have long to live. That's better. Not quite. Let there be blood. Oh, come on, man. He just met 10 hitmen after his own heart. He didn't meet really any of them. Yeah. The hit goes down January 26. <laughs> <laughs> they're dangerous. They're even. And they're after dot, dot, dot. That's it. After what? After smoking aces. <laughs> Got to watch the oh movie to find God. out. I mean, now this cannot be right, but it's the only number I've found. Maze, I'm curious if you found a different number. $1 million. $17 million estimated budget? One seven? Yeah. How? That makes sense. Did nobody get paid? Yeah. When you got an ensemble like this, right. you get everybody to do it because you're Joe Carnahan and you're a oh, hot up and coming writer director. You're no tour with a vision of violence and blood and guts. And so you make this movie on the cheap. Yeah. One thing is it's ensemble cast, so they're cheaper. Because their roles are shorter, right? The work. A lot of times for these actors, it's not necessarily like, this is my rate. It's like, all right, you only got to shoot like three days. Like, really? Yeah, we'll get all your shit done. Then the other part of it is, we talked about this earlier. This was a lot of these guys before they had their big breaks. Chris Pine and Ryan Reynolds and even the TV guys. They're coming as TV guys. They're not coming as big shots. So there's some, some savings there too. Also, a savings is choosing to make the setting Lake Tahoe. When it clearly should have been Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> really should have been, oh, yeah. yeah. But it's probably a lot cheaper to shoot Lake Tahoe or something that looks like Lake Tahoe. Get your ass. $17 million estimated budget, grossed $35.7 million U.S. and $57.2 million worldwide. It's a hit, baby. Before we jump into this movie and you listen to the rest of this podcast, Smoke and Aces is available on Showtime. Or on Peacock. Smoke and Aces receives 31% from critics on 159 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. 62% from the audience on over 250,000 ratings. Who likes this? I mean, would you like the positive or the negative reviews? Give me the positive, but I kind of almost want the audience positives first. Wow, everybody's just thinking about the negative. Well, I think the, the glass is half full. Everybody thinks it's half empty. User Trevor D, four out of five stars. Smoke and Aces is a masterpiece. Go ahead, strip my film critic stripes from my jacket. But the way this film was put together was very pleasing. Some say the plot line was complicated. I followed it as each scene rolled out and predicted some of the subplots, but enjoyably so. Wish Ben Affleck had more screen time as well as Ryan Reynolds. I didn't expect much of the scenes. Many of the characters that didn't have redeeming qualities were killed off. Alicia Keys made a wonderful film debut. Common stood up to the D-bag magician. Cinematography was on point. Soundtrack was lit. Stop complaining. Certain movies, you have to accept them for what they are and not force frame then into genres qualifiers. Stop complaining. Smoke some aces. Smoke some aces, yeah. <laughs> Yo, comments that up to the douchebag <laughs> magician. <laughs> All right. Blank user, four out of five stars. Terrific movie, save the profanity, taking the Lord's name in vain, nudity, remove it all in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Three exclamation points. All that was just one star for this guy? It can't be that religious. But- not objecting to the violence. Well, there's violence in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Oh, okay. Got it. I am wrath. I mean, there's also sodomy in the Bible, so. Maybe. Sodomy. Mike Massey of Gone with the Twins. He's back. Enough artillery, broads, and bloodshed to satisfy any adventure hound. 
What? Ali Gray of the shiznit.uk.co. Oh, oh, the shiznit, yeah? In it? What? I don't like when British people use our slang. You don't hear us say kiss my teeth or whatever the fuck you guys say over there. Come up with your own shit. Bangers and mash? The shiznit, eh? In it? A guilt-free return to the kind of stylish action thrillers that rely on strong characters just as much as they do carnage. Strong characters. Strong characters. Stacks of IGN movies. <laughs> Wait. Stacks with an X. Oh, okay. Not just a pile of movies that reviewed this movie. Right, no. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't I didn't I didn't look at the link. <laughs> Smoke and Aces isn't the most original endeavor, but it has enough wit, action, and dramatic weight to carve out its own rightful place of honor in the crime film genre. Carved it out like Buddy Israel's heart. Whoa, spoiler alert. Dave Cornelius of eFilmCritic.com. It wants to be so many things at once that it never truly finds its focus, and yet (laughs) it manages to be quite a blast anyway. Is Dave Cornelius the son of Don Cornelius? God, I hope so. want to do music dad my heart is into movies kamal the diva larsuel of three black chicks review again i that is not a no <laughs> there is a little bit of something for everyone in this one what it's a lot of little bits of something it's something all right fred topple of can magazine oh i loved him when he hosted abc news back in the day that's fred Koppel. <laughs> that's ted Koppel. no no <laughs> <laughs> If Smoke and Aces had come out one month earlier, it could have been the best movie of 2006. What? In 2007, I imagine there won't be a more exciting work of art all year. It out Tarantino's Tarantino, and you just don't want it to end. Whoa, dude. What are people watching, man? Just so you know, here's what came out in two... Actually, you know what? They might be right. 2006 was uh, The Breakup was 2006. Was it? Wasn't it? Oh, Beer Fest came out in 2006. Talladega Nights. 300 came out in 2006. Oh, 300? Okay. Children of Men came out in 2006. <laughs> Did you hear how excited Maze was? Children, yeah. Children. It was a hard R-E-N on children. We got to definitely write a song about how we, we do not diddle kids. Do not diddle kids. It's no good diddling kids. There is no quicker way for people to think that you are diddling kids than by writing a song about it. You got to write a song that says, ooh, I wouldn't do it with anybody younger than my daughter. No little kids got to be big. Older than my wife, younger than my daughter, something like that. Michael A. Smith of Nolan's Pop Culture Reviews. A film that rivals The Departed for twists and turns, but it's one hell of a ride. No, it doesn't rival The Departed. (laughs) Definitely not. Peter Hammond of Maxim Magazine. One wild, super kinetic ride. It's Ocean's Eleven meets Pulp Fiction and so much more. Kevin Carr of 7M Pictures. There's enough blood, bullets, boobs, action, and octane to keep cheap bags of testosterone like myself interested. (laughs) I like the idea that like this motherfucker, like you show him like, schindler's list and he's just like not enough titties <laughs> everyone's sober what's that about brian orndorff of ohmynews.com oh my god this guy it's a manic visual exercise but from a thoroughly intelligent filmmaker who has more on his mind than just a hack fireworks display meant to beguile 15 year olds with too much free time think garbage like running scared that's exactly what it is that's exactly what it is. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. 
best consumed with pizza and lots of brewskis, Joe Carnahan's Smoke and Aces is shamelessly and unapologetically a guy movie. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, taking a date to that movie? <laughs> Wait, did I? Oh, my God. I might have. This is my first time seeing this movie, so. I, really? Same. Yep. I owned it on DVD. <laughs> Thus beginning the demise of the medium, right? Was it the last DVD that you bought? <laughs> I might have also been the beginning of the demise of that relationship. I was in. <laughs> negative reviews. At this point of time, my thought on critics not liking stuff is, then turn it off, you fucking weirdo. You have so <laughs> many options. People who watch an entire project to hate on it, man, it is so weird to me. Fernando F. Croce of Cinepassion. I love this dad, Pat. A lot of reviews like this, so I just chose this one. The poor man's Guy Ritchie, which is sad since the poor man already has Guy Ritchie. Oh, snap. Claudia Puig of USA Today. It wants to be a Tarantino-esque dark comedy about gunslinging, substance-abusing lowlifes, but instead, it's a convoluted, slap-happy, humorless bloodfest. Jonathan R. Perry of Tyler Morning Telegraph, Texas. Tyler Perry. Medea. Yeah. <laughs> it's instantly engrossing stays great for about 45 minutes and good for another 20 then begins collapsing under the oppressive weight of taking itself very very seriously there's no chance anyone lasted vince kohler of entertainment spectrum will you enjoy smoking aces that depends on your acceptance of the following several pages worth of four-letter words huge bloody body counts and nudity that is nothing more than set decoration. That's a call you will have to make for yourself. In the credits, there is a distinguishment between prostitute and naked prostitute. So it was set decoration. Yuri Lessing of eFilmCritic.com. Every criminal has to have a quirk. That guy's a crossdresser. He's a master of disguise. They're Nazis. She's a lesbian. Ridiculous cretins like these will make you long for the thoughtful characterizations of Boss Hogg and Sheriff Roscoe. Uh. That's good. Richard Schickle of Time Magazine. Uh, if I had a shickle for every review. If I had a shickle for every time you did that joke after I read Richard Schickle. You know what? Don't have Richard Schickle reviews up in here then. We just sit there numbly, awaiting the next sensation and trying without notable success to comprehend the preposterous backstory. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Lou Lumenic of New York Post. Impersonal hack work by someone who is bending over backwards to sell out and become the new Michael Bay. So he's the new Michael Bay, a Tarantino ripoff, and he's a poor man's Guy Ritchie. Got it. Roger Moore of Orlando Sentinel. The man with the golden gun. Putting Ben Affleck and the poor man's Ben Affleck, Ryan Reynolds, in the same movie? Not a good move. A.O. Scott of New York Times. Ayo! Scott. Smoke and Aces is a Viagra suppository for compulsive action fetishes <laughs> in a movie that may not only be dumb in, it, in itself, but also cause of dumbness in others. Is it Viagra suppository? Yeah. He boofed it. Isn't it a suppository when... You boof it. You stick it up your ass. Okay. All right, last review is my favorite one. Sean Burns of Philadelphia Weekly. Oh, uh, yes, Smithers. The worst movie of 1998. <laughs> oh, witty. I like that. That's funny. I do too. That's a good one. Hey, you over there, listen to this podcast. Don't smoke. It's a bad idea. It's terrible for your, bad for your lungs. What you need is Lucy. 
Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. And finally, finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's been researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. And Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and I hope you're sitting down for this one, pomegranate. Yeah, you didn't even know you wanted pomegranate gum. Yeah, you do. Also has lozenges with four milligrams of nicotine in a cherry ice flavor. Each and every flavor tastes great. And it's convenient and discreet. You can enjoy them anywhere, flights, at work, even in the gym, doing curls. Can't be lighting up a cigarette in the gym. You can chew this gum or have these lozenges. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes. Unplug that vape. Throw out your dip. Nope, dip. No one's dipped in 20 years. And get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Count the dings, listeners. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code DING to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gums or lozenges. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. And use the promo code DING, D-I-N-G, at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code DING. Amin, what's your first note? Because the opening scene had, like, straight text telling us a bunch of stuff. I said, an exposition film. And I said it like tongue in cheek, not knowing. Not knowing what was before you. Yeah, I just thought, ha ha, they did a lot of exposition in that title slide. Which would have been enough. My first note was, is 2006 the peak of buying DVDs? I still feel like it is. It's, yeah, it's the last, last time. We start off with, as Amin said, a bunch of written exposition. The Mafia, or La Cosa Nostra, has been slowly and systemically destroyed by the FBI. Mob boss, Primo Sparazza represents the mafia's last vestige of power. The FBI have targeted Sparazza. They're working to turn a key witness against him. Las Vegas entertainer, Buddy Aces Israel. I just watched The Godfather recently. And for this movie to try to call whatever organization Sparazza's in, La Cosa Nostra, like we're doing The Godfather, I took it as a sign of disrespect. Primo Sparazza, why didn't they just name him Spaghetti Lasagna? (laughs) Like, what a fucking lazy ass here. We need a really Italian name. Oh, they should have called him Carmine. <laughs> Italians really don't get a fair shake in these movies, man. FBI surveillance outside of the spaghetti lasagna home. <laughs> it's going to be a running thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Ray Liotta are doing the surveillance, talking about piss being good for your face if you have a zit or something. Another reference to a grandmother saying, just like in Disclosure. So, I mean, what do you say to this grandma? Your grandmother was dumb as fuck. Ray Liotta's character is named Carruthers. I wrote Carruthers equals always the name of someone in authority. Either a vice principal or a police officer, a detective, or a police chief. Carruthers. There's never like a criminal named Carruthers. Also, I find it hard to believe that there is a child with the last name Carruthers. 
at any point in history. It's a last name. Johnny Carruthers. But it's a type of last name that people always call you by your first name. Like, by use that as your first name. Yes, absolutely. Ryan Reynolds believes antiperspirant leads to Alzheimer's. It's the aluminum. Oh, my note. QAnon. He also thinks Wayfair sells children into bondage. <laughs> you have movement with someone on the phone in the house. Dialogue hot. Dialogue hot. Someone's going to clip Israel. And then uh, my next note, the fucking hairpiece on Jeremy Piven in this photo. Yeah. It looks like an anime drawing of Venom. <laughs> it is so jagged. The guy on the phone is Cerna. He's calling Baby Buzz. And Cerna is played by Alex Rocco, who is Mo Green from The Godfather. I wonder why they cast him. Ah, how about that? Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. A specialist is going to get Israel, and they want to kidnap Israel first and use him for ransom. Let me lay this thing out deep. Maybe. Spaghetti wants Israel's heart. Old school Sicilians do it this way. There's two broads who hit... <laughs> God, I feel horrible about saying this. Maybe clip it in, because I don't want to say... They hit those Chinamen, took out the big triad. <laughs> Generic gangster dialogue, fill-in-the-blank style. Yeah. Exposition, the movie. <laughs> That's the punchline. You ready for the punchline? One million. Not a punchline. It's not a punchline at all. If word hits the street that there's a million dollar bounty for buddy fucking Israel, you're going to have every fucking hitman in the free world looking for him. Also, Ray Liotta turns into the annoying girlfriend who, while the movie is going, is just talking to repeat everything that just oh said in the movie. Oh, my God. So shut the hell up, man. Wayne Newton is now introducing Buddy Israel. I like the tuxedo with the untied bow tie. It's a great look. Oh, no. No? No. You know what always makes you think of? Ironically, even though I've never seen this movie, it makes you think of Jeremy Piven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? I don't know. All right. But like that's, that's what I, when I think of Jeremy Piven, I think of that look. We get a montage. Peter Berg and Ben Affleck are shooting pool while they discuss Buddy. He's a card shark. Is it Ben Affleck or is it Ben Exposition? It's Ben <laughs> Exposition Flick. This is when this movie turns into a 4 by 100 meter exposition relay race where oh they just keep God. handing off the baton from person to person, from scene to scene. 4 by 100 if by 100 you mean the next 100 minutes of this movie. Because that is all this movie is. He's a card shark. Flames coming off his palms. He's an asshole. He unveils a woman in a cage and then tells Wayne Newton. Yeah, is that his trick? I say this from the bottom of my heart. Retire. Douchebag. He's drinking champagne with his feet. Two-time Vegas showman of the year. Affleck's got a handlebar mustache and leather cap. Oh, my God. And my note is power bottom does the power have to do with the size or the strength of the bottom now dennis i've heard that speed has something to do with it. speed has everything to do with it wise guys love him think he's a mystic the ben affleck handlebar goatee plus that hat is just what i picture for 2009 mma question would you get in with the mob if they told you they liked you so let's say like Ooh. the mob approaches and they say yo Big fan of Cinephobe. You guys are so funny. I love that Gotti episode. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, you should come by down to the whatever. Would you guys like become chummy with them? Maybe not like Buddy Israel, but like Frank Sinatra style. Yes, absolutely. You would? Because I'd be terrified to know what happens if I say no. Show me some disrespect. Because I think I'll be able to maintain that relationship long enough. I think there'll be a lot of perks with it. And then on top of that, I don't think I'm going to get involved with the crime part of it. And I'm terrified to turn them down. So what you're saying is you won't get your dick wet. 
What do you mean, get my dick wet? Strong arm robbery. That's what Ben Exposition says. But, you know, it wasn't enough for him. Then Then he he gets gets his dick wet. wet. We're seven minutes in, and Jeremy Piven has already worn three different hair pieces. And all of them are equally upsetting. (laughs) I like to believe that there's a little, like, piece of masking tape underneath each one. Just double-sided tape? No, no, no. I'm talking about, like, on the on the counter. So, you know, this is the disheveled wig. This is the drug wig. <laughs> like, he knows which one to wear for which scene. Buddy got in with the mob, started bankrolling some B&Es, and then got into bankrolling big smash-and-grab jobs. We see him just hanging out with the guys going, like, can I whack anybody? Who am I going to whack? Ha, 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 ha. Also, we keep seeing him just look right into the camera. <laughs> Piven looks into the camera like four fucking times during this montage. Things went bad for Buddy and playing the mob game. Now he's in with spaghetti lasagna too deep. Which we already know. Common is his henchman. Andy Garcia is a high-ranking fed telling the story of Freeman Heller. Picks up the baton and he's going to talk about Sparazza now. Do you mean Andy Exposition? <laughs> This movie wants to be Ocean's Eleven so bad. And speaking of Ocean's Eleven, Andy Garcia. There it is. Enforcer, an extortionist, killer. He's got the conspiracy boards. Sprouts has done over 100 murders, including famous FBI agent Heller. Heller is getting plastic surgery in the 50s and 60s to change his face. Everything that's now standard, Heller implemented. We find out that Spaghetti Lasagna killed Heller after he became a coppa? Capo? Capo. He couldn't be traced to Spaghetti, though. Wow. I wonder if this will come back. That's the other thing. It's such a weird note that I'm like, okay, clearly this is something. The best part is when they show the flashback of him being like, and this is how I changed my face. (laughs) It's like, oh. Because the exposition wasn't enough. No, of course not. We have to go back to get exposition from the past. They relocated him to Nevada to run the Vegas mob chapter. Israel is being investigated by 16 different state and federal agencies. His testimony has the potential to blow the lid off of what's left of La Cosa Nostra. Garcia needs some water at one point because all this exposition is drying him out. Making him thirsty. Alicia Keys and Taraji P. Henson are now aware of the contract. The triad hit got the word out for them. Pasquale Acosta is another potential contractor. Loretta Exposition. They recognize the skills. Loretta Exposition. Chipped some nails, peeled some serious caps. The heart shit is just for flavor. What else um, did Badiz say? He said the shit might get hot, might get heavy. I said, cool, because I got two of the hottest, heaviest bitches alive. Pasquale Acosta is a legendary torturer. El Estrago, the plague. Speaks 12 languages. And then we get a torture montage, and we find out from some exposition he chewed off his fingertips so he couldn't be fingerprinted in Northern Ireland. So they're just shining a flashlight on him, like shaking the flashlight. He's naked in a dirty prison cell bent over the toilet. Like, imagine filming that scene. <laughs> Is this whole movie exposition? Like, I asked the question, like, sincerely. Little did you know. No. I think part of this is just cinephobes fuck with my head when watching movies now. Because even watching good movies, I'm like, exposition, exposition, right? Like, that's been happening to me lately. This one was... this. But I remembered this movie being action-packed. Where? So when I found out we were doing Smoking Ace, I was like, hey, action movie. And it's nothing but exposition and four minutes of action. Yes. They show us each of these characters, and while they're talking about Acosta, they're just showing us, like fast montage clips like there is lots of stuff happening it's just so fast like he's electrocuting a dude upside down naked 
He's chewing his fingertips off. It's just happening at a breakneck pace. It's all sped up. It's like shot, like almost in that Gothica movement style, right? Right. Sped up in a in a kind of a jerky way. Loretta hands the exposition baton back to Affleck. The Tremor brothers are another possibility. Wild metalheads who massacred a whole restaurant in Cleveland just to kill one guy. Same skank mom, different deadbeat dads. They're speed freak neo-Nazi assholes who read and recite Mein Kampf like it was Mother Goose. Meaner than shit, they're dumber than hell, and these motherfuckers will go megaton at the drop of a hat. And there's someone named Laszlo Suit. Because Loretta picks up the baton back from Affleck. She's got the next leg. Man walking with four armed security in a crosswalk. They're giving ocular pat-downs to everybody coming their way. <laughs> there's a black man in a wheelchair with those breath-steering contraption. The Stephen hawking gets up with these little mini machine guns and guns everybody down he pulls off the mask on the getaway van plot twist he's white does that mean his hands were in blackface his hands were clearly black and then in the next scene they're clearly white just have him wear gloves yeah i don't know oh we got some great continuity issues coming later involving mr soot it's tommy flanagan who's in sons of anarchy braveheart and he's also in face off the bond on Buddy Israel expires in 18 hours. After that, it's a jump ball. What? I can't take any more exposition. <laughs> oh, buckle up. I was exposited out. Great white whale of snitches. Everybody's going to pour boxes of bullets in his ass. Law firm that hired Ben Affleck posted the bond. He hasn't been seen since. The guy sitting with Ben and Berg is complaining this is too hard because the mob is after Buddy. He's going to go to Fort Knox with a slingshot and then go to hell after Hitler. Will you please find your fangs, you fucking coward? It's Peter Berg. Okay, Irish Terry Conklin. (laughs) So Affleck isn't even an assassin? He's just going after Buddy Israel for the bail bond? He's Dog the Bounty Hunter, right? I am a dog. So here's my question. You know that there's a million dollar price on Buddy's head. That's what I'm saying. And your job is for $50,000 to split three ways, you could just go apprehend him and take him in. I think I'm going for the kill. He's a bail bondsman, not a businessman. (sighs) Man, Ben knows where Israel is. They have maybe a day before the information gets grapevine. Sure. Cut to Alicia and Taraji, know that he's in North Shore of Lake Tahoe. Yep. Then I got excited because I didn't know Curtis Armstrong was in this movie. He plays Buddy's agent. He's Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, he is. He's also been in other things. What else has he been in? You're going to get mad at me here. I don't know if he and Aaron are friends, but I know that they're acquaintances. This motherfucker, man. I don't think we could have gotten him, though. We could have definitely gotten young Peter Pan, but I, we couldn't have gotten Curtis. He just not like this podcast. Well, I figured maybe it would go like it did last time where I mentioned it three or four times and I get zero response. No, this is what you do hey we're recording at this time on this date the guest is going to be so-and-so don't give it a choice you think i'm gonna say no to any of these people yes you blow it risky business that's where i know him from the swede has arrived for spaghetti lasagna and everybody's heading to lake tahoe we get this weird flyover shot into cgi through the roof of the hotel to the penthouse suite those windows that view that's all natural baby that's lake tahoe yeah. Aftermath of a wild night in the suite. Women everywhere. Everybody passed out. Mm. Buddy is disgusting. Observing it all. Sunlight comes through the skylight and he says, fuck you to the sun. Did he just say fuck you to the sun? Telling fuck you to the sun or finger gun shooting shooting the the moon. moon. What is it? What's better? There you go. Day man. (laughs) Fighter of the night man. Champion of the sun. He puts on sunglasses like his hands are full of Novocaine. 
Do you notice that? The way he holds these sunglasses? He holds them like binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> like he's flinging cards onto everybody saying goodbye. And then, oh shit, that's Joel Edgerton. One of the lackeys. Doing a Russian accent, drinking my Lanta. He's doing a horrible Russian accent. And has little baby bangs. Hugo left a message for Mecklin, his agent, but he wants to know what he said. Hugo, you're staring at me like I just asked you the square root of something. And now we get Jeremy Piven doing what he does best, berating the help. Ernesto, how many fucking pesos did I give you for Christmas? Huh, Ernesto? Every Christmas for the past decade. Half of Mexico is eating on my tips that I have given you. Now bring my motherfucking card now. Por favor. Buddy throws a playing card like a ninja star that sticks into the couch. Is he going to do this all movie? Yes, he is. Next to a coat with ejaculate on the collar. Ejaculate. Ejaculate. Not ejaculate. 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 Hugo thinks it's a cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll. Is it cinnamon roll? The cinnamon, the, the roll of the cinnamon. That looks like a uh, jizz. Yeah. Eastern European jizz. That looks like some fuckhead shot his load on a $12,000 calfskin jacket. The twist is it's my $12,000 calfskin jacket. So you got the semen, okay? You've got the human ejaculate that's been allowed to soak in for like seven hours, all right? Work its way into the fabric fucking fibers. You like I send out. To what? Incinerate? Is that true? Does jizz not wash out? Not well. You kidding me? Really? Rips his glasses off and says it's forever unclean. <laughs> Do you want apology? Only if you truly mean it. I'm very sorry. Are you a colossal fucking idiot? I am, yes. Fans the cards in the air, grabs the Joker, pins it to Hugo's forehead, and says, get out of my fucking sight. Ryan and Ray are now trying to figure out who the Swede is. Mobman is meeting with Taraji and Keys. They want another plan, and for them to relay it to Mr. Cerna. The planned? Pussy. Pussy. Israel likes pussy. And they like that he likes pussy. Enough said. Ben Berg and Hollis, their third, meet with Jason Bateman, and he's got herpes. All over his lips. He answers the door pantsless and assless, folks. Yes, he is. Yeah, he tells me you guys a couple ex-cops, huh? Uh, yeah, we um, we worked Vice like six years. All right. Four, four six years. years Vice. Four, six. Right, well, four years. They didn't teach you how to count, I guess, huh? But I bet you guys <laughs> got a bunch of stories. Right? I don't. I grew up kind of soft with the private schools and the little blazers, you know, and uh, everyone talked things out, you know. No one ever threw any blows. You know, still this day, never punched in the face. Imagine that. I'm pretty much panty waste. Yeah. I don't say this to be self-deprecating. I just, you know, I don't have much of an opinion of myself. I'd much rather be like you guys, you know, bar fighters and big swinging dicks taking care of shit. You know, sadly, this is it. This is, you know, it's disgusting. Now, thanks, God. Dog pile of piss poor physique on top of a small cock and hereditary alcoholism. Appreciate it. He yells at dude to get his coat. Mm -hmm. All right, look up. Hey, man, that's not yours. Put the fucking rabbit down. Appreciate it. Get your dick beaters off. <laughs> He fives Berg, he misses Ben, and then he does bones it and padlocks, and then you put the chain on it. That's a new one he's working on. Tells him Israel's posse has guns. But he's a total cliche. No wonder. That's a little bit meta right there. Strung out, washed up, has been jerk, snitch fucking drunk, seven layer loser. And this movie has the most hyphens in the captions of any movie I've ever seen. Please, please, please rape him. If it's possible, punch him in the seat or something, you know, 
Hit him in the brown. I don't know. Anyway. Gives them 50K. The suite also costs 50K. Hotel is losing a lot of money saying the floor is under construction to hide him. Common wants to know when they should be concerned. And Buddy says, call the floors for more girls. Common tells the women to go. This is simply just them trying to get a glowing review in Maxim Magazine, this scene. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the girls aren't that great. The other henchman. Beanie. Later on. I begin to realize this dude is ad-libbing all of his lines. Yes. Well, first he starts talking like a flight attendant. Now proceed to the front in an orderly fashion. And then he just snaps back and... Or how the fuck y'all want to, but get the fuck on. Let's go. Step lively. Get your ass up. Put your clothes on, girl. You act like y'all on sundown. Y'all need to be on stopwatch. Straight ad-lib everything. You went from Beyonce to Bigfoot in six hours. Fuck you. We, We did that dance, bitch. Now kick rocks. Then she falls through a glass table, and the women start fighting. Security gets them out. Beanie throws a wig out the room and says, Bitch, you forgot your hat. <laughs> I like that. My hat! We've had 30 minutes of goddamn exposition. Little did I know. There's so much more coming. Ray informs the other feds Israel is awake because there was a fight with prostitutes, a scuffle, a Donnybrook. Reynolds is confused as to why not one charge has been laid against spaghetti lasagna, even with them knowing that Heller was killed by him. They want to be in a penthouse in half a second after the deal is done between his agent and the feds. Spaghetti lasagna had 15 elective plastic surgeries since 1952. Hmm, that's weird. Interesting. Acosta is disguised as Gerald Diego from the FBI. He needs to speak to a manager. He's talking to a hotel employee who is the physical embodiment of the squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons. Yes, down to the acne. Yeah, down to the acne. What I wrote... He, he's talking to someone Amin will think was the Shermanator. <laughs> the semblance is uncanny. <laughs> They're doing random inspections for the gaming commission, he claims. Then we go to Ben, Berg, and Hollis. They have jumpsuits to blend in with the workers of the hotel. And as they're talking, the Tremor brothers drive by, then go back in reverse to pull back up to them. And then they shoot all three guys. Just like that. Ben Affleck month is over. (laughs) Driver gets out and draws a Hitler mustache on himself. And my next note, Kevin Durand is jacked. Jacked, yes, he is. Oh, my God. What was that about? He was drawing the tallies, I thought. He's drawing a Hitler mustache because they're neo-Nazis. But he does three tallies. I thought he was keeping track of the kills, but they don't go back to that at all. So it's probably a Hitler mustache. No, Mace. Mace, what are you talking about? Are you fucking kidding me? I thought it was both. What? I thought we were going to keep track of kills. On our upper lip. Who could fucking see it? <laughs> this one thin stroke. How would he know if they're properly spaced? What are you talking about? Zach, when you draw a Hitler mustache, wouldn't you go side to side as opposed to three vertical tallies? <sighs> Chris Pine is also one of the Tremor brothers. He walks up to Ben while the other two wrestle with some tension. <laughs> tension between those brothers lots of tension he moves ben's mouth and says i forgive you darwin chris pine inspects ben affleck's face like fudge pockets and hook it's thud butt no oh no fudge pockets you're right yeah fudge pockets is the one that well it's not his name not fudge pockets his name is pockets (laughs) well i'm not gonna get drawn into this trafficking ring with you guys how did my man lose his fingers? I guess a shotgun blast? I don't know. So there was no, like, torture scene that I missed because I was... No, 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 no. I think it's just in the melee. Busy scribbling down exposition puns the whole time. The one thing that wasn't explained in this movie is just his fingers go missing. They find the Bond paperwork for Buddy. Chris Pine's eyes, they never stop. Oh, my God. His eyes are 
amazing. Pine is having a conversation with Affleck like he's a ventriloquist dummy. You know, up here in heaven, it's beautiful. Really? We'll see you up here someday. You think so? I know so. And then he holds his eyes open and makes him smile. And that is how I was forced to watch this movie for the rest of the next hour. They're going to get rid of the, the bodies, grab the suits, and go to the hotel. Next thing, hookers are being escorted out loudly as Taraji and Keys check in for their room. Taraji intimates to the hotel clerk that they're together, then interrogates her on the woman being used in their rooms, saying that they're the reason why women don't get respected by men. Meat for male consumption, pieces of ass and pussy. Something pretty in lipstick and eyeliner that can suck a fucking cock. Also, made me realize, I haven't heard the word hoochie in a while. Yeah, nothing but a hoochie mama. hoochie mama. Great song. Unless it's offensive. Taraji wants a unified front, mobilized, all races coming together. I couldn't see from the scene, but just based on how she was delivering everything, assless. Taraji is acting her ass off. She's fantastic. She's basically organizing the Me Too movement about a decade earlier, right? Prescient. Soot has murdered some men, and now he's preparing his voice to be Vitali. And this is what I, I called him. What do we call it in Game of Thrones? The man with no name? The faceless men. He's doing the same shit. He's spraying his mouth. He's gargling stuff to deepen his voice. And that's when Hugo comes to get Vitoli. That seems like an unnecessary level of detail that he's going for. I mean, he's trying to be authentic. I don't know. How many conversations are you going to have that forget about sounding like the guy that you can actually answer correctly? He stays prepared. He's a professional, I mean. Yeah, when he opens the door, Hugo gets murdered. Shot right in the chest. Shot in the chest. That's when Soot realizes he needs to be Hugo, not Vitoli. He starts making a Hugo mask. What difference does it make? I don't know. I guess that's two things that they didn't explain in this movie. I hate this movie so much. Let me just tell you, some of you are very excited we're doing this movie. Yes, we don't like this movie. This is a labor of love. I don't need... What? You didn't like Smoking Aces? No, I didn't. Buddy's arguing with his agent about not giving up his boys in this agreement with the feds. Oh, what about my boys? Buddy's taking a hard stance here. Says to give them Hugo. But he's got to give them Ivy, Beanie, Hugo, the works. He's apoplectic. He's down to give him Hugo because Hugo needs discipline. Prison would toughen him up. Also because Hugo jizzed on his favorite coat. <laughs> he drops the phone and is now just doing card tricks. Picks the phone back up and says, all right. And my question, why the fuck... Would the feds care about these henchmen who really don't have anything to do with La Cosa Nostra? He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm giving you guys the leader of the mob. No, no. We want the fat guy and the guy who jizzed all over your coat. Right. I don't understand this. Why would they care? These are so low level. He's the most important witness the FBI has ever had. You're getting spaghetti lasagna on a silver platter. Why does it matter? If his bodyguard is here, well, Common heard the agreement. Buddy's crying. Now Diego's talking to Matthew Fox, head of security for the hotel. He's got a wild pompadour stash sideburns combo. He's explaining the whole scenario, but denying that there's someone in the penthouse. He's holding strong and saying he needs a safeguard himself. He wants ID and clearance. And as he shows the ID as the phone rings, Fox answers the phone. Diego kills him. With an Assassin's Creed blade coming out of his sleeve. He does. Holy shit! I had the same note too, bro! And then he follows that up with extreme tension. I mean, the tension. 
in the air when he's over there, very softly inches away from the guy whispering, his whiskers tickling his <laughs> upper lip. And the guy says, am I really dying? And he says, yes, but it won't hurt. Your blood is filling your lungs, but it doesn't hurt. And I ask the question, is that true about being stabbed like that? I can't imagine it is. I'm sure your body goes into some level of shock at some point. I just had a vision of like being stabbed that way and being in immense pain. And all I could think of, the smoking aces said, <laughs> this wouldn't hurt. Yeah, William, we're all dying. On the phone was FBI agent Carruthers. He says not to make his face the last thing he sees because heaven may hold it against him. And that is a brutal policy by heaven. Ooh. You get killed by like a horrible person, but that's the last thing you see. So they're going to be not sorry. Don't think you get in. Sorry. Goodness. I need to speak to a manager. Yeah, I'm doing all I can here. Right. But he just says he's going to tell you the same thing. You know, I'll call <laughs> Peter in here and tell you the same thing. Hollis is alive in the lake. Ryan and Ray have IDs from Affleck's character, and they know about the maroon uniform rentals. Cut to the tremors are blending in, and panic is setting in. Ray's going to go for Buddy. Ryan's got to go to the lake. Taraji and uh, Alicia Keys are setting up for their infiltration. Alicia doesn't want to kill everyone or any women, even if they're hookers. Do you mean Taraji P. Hexposition and... Alicia Keys position. You mean those two? We also get a bingo word thrown in here at one point. Taraji's going to go sniper with a 50 cal. Big mama. Alicia Keys disguised herself as a hooker. What the fuck are you trying to shoot? A jumbo jet out of the sky? Blast down the moon? Oh, our second takers reference. <laughs> Idris Elba did it just with finger guns. He didn't need a big mama. We get some tension that Taraji has for Alicia Keys. As she scopes her, adjusting her cleavage under her itchy Kevlar vest. Fake Hugo, or Fugo, as I refer to him the rest of the movie, is all set. The tremors are set. Keys is set. Buddy is doing coke in the bathroom. Italian exposition on a phone call. Diego is ready. Ryan is there. Hollis is surviving. The Swede has landed. You called it Italian exposition. I called it 1-800 exposition (laughs) for only $2.99 a minute. 50 minutes of exposition might finally pay off. Actually, no. Nope. We're still going to get about 30 more minutes of exposition. Taraji puts on an eye patch, which riddled me that one. I wrote hook. Second movie reference. (laughs) Andy Garcia gets a dusty file and the manager looks stressed. Mm. The file has info on Heller and spaghetti lasagna. The murder of Heller. Garcia says things have changed. They have to have the jet at LAX in a half an hour. Breaking news. Whoop, whoop. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The copy says that this is your pubic service announcement. And the news you've all been waiting for, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago. And we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DING, D-I-N-G, at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0. And let me tell you, blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 next level 
The advanced ceramic blade and the skin safe technology is so good. I don't know if it's possible to nick my balls with it. In fact, I take that some bitch in the shower. It's waterproof. Can't short that thing out. Not going to electrocute me trying to use that thing. I make sure I'm all groomed and ready. But once beach season hits after this pandemic is fully over, right? Did I mention that there's wireless charging in this thing? That's right. Lawnmower 4.0, new wireless charging system, uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. So if you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DING, D-I-N-G, at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code D-I-N-G at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. With free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code D-I-N-G. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job for your tool with Manscaped. Now, this is where Maze puts in that little clip where Amin helped out with the read like over a year ago and hasn't done anything for it since. The package delivered is discreet. The package you'll deliver isn't. Fugo is back in the suite. Buddy is sweating like crazy. He looks like shit, and he's got coke all over his nostrils. He looks so disgusting, dude. That might just be Piven in his natural element, but if that's makeup, they did a great job with him. He looks awful. Beanie asks where Vitoli is, and Fugo shrugs. Hey, don't even think I'm touching my man's coat that I know you nutted all over, you no-aiming ass. (laughs) Again, this dude didn't have a single side or anything to look at he was just out here ad-libbing the whole time man what the fuck was you thinking bear back in the bitches hugo i bet you your dick is disintegrating as we speak player stupid ass motherfucker what the fuck is wrong with you man now for no reason buddy is messing with blue contacts you know the reason he's coked out of his mind playing peekaboo with himself was this supposed to be a moment? Is that what cocaine is like? Man, he's really going through it. The, oh, the tension has built to this point. Common asks him what's going on with the deal. Asks if it's all good. Buddy lies to him. Yes, Buddy, if he believes in loyalty. Some ominous music plays, as he says, especially in loyalty when the otherwise sensible motherfucker like himself might put his own best interests aside. Jeremy Piven says he's working when he's chopping up lines. Not acting. <laughs> Ray's trying to get to the head of security. He spots him through the lobby, gets into the elevator with him, saying he needs to go to the penthouse immediately, but it's Diego in a jacket. Thanks to the squeaky voice teen for the assist. Keys has the elevator open, and the Tremor brothers are half naked inside. Pine is eating Cheetos like an asshole. Acting his ass off. Oh, so good. And she says she's going down. Pine says, I'll bet you are. Get a blazing middle finger back at him. And a bingo word. The ho train is headed into the building. That says a whole lot about you. A ho-whole lot. <laughs> Hollis and his missing fingers ring a doorbell, and the stupid fucking kid with a karate kid headband, no shirt, and glasses says, what up, G? Oh. And then, bitch, I'm about to ball this as he turns his hand into a fist. Hollis collapses. He's acting his ass on. The kid? Firmly. Reynolds wants answers. He's made aware of Hollis's driver's license, and then he finds out that Affleck's car has been found in the parking structure at the Nomad Hotel. Reynolds' phone has an antenna, and I just felt super old at that moment. The Swede shows up with an entourage. Ah. Ah, He He said said it! it. He He said said it! it. Then we go back to Hugo, and Beanie is still roasting him. No, he's still ad-libbing his every line. (laughs) Hugo shoots Beanie in the back. He says something about lotion making him look like a Muppet. He's just saying things. 
and hoping something sticks. Fugo shoots him in the back. He says, oh, no, you didn't do that. And then Fugo blows him away with a bunch of extra shots. The silencer that Hugo is using is phenomenal. It's great. He didn't even get that. No. It doesn't even get that. It's just like a. Common wants to know what Buddy said to his agent. He says, this is one of those rare moments where you're asking it's a chance to be completely honest. If I'm asking you what you said to Mecklen, assume the shit is rhetorical. Assume I already know. That's what I do with my kids, man. That's what I do with a lot of people, man. I let them know, like, yo. If I'm asking you this, chances are I have an answer. You see exactly and only what I choose to show you. That is illusion, Ivy. That is the lie that I tell your eyes. Illusion, Michael. Trick is what a whore does for money. Coked out Joe Bluth. (laughs) But he explains he can shape it, shift it, and that's why he's valuable. And Ivy is not. That's when I find out Common's name is Ivy in this movie. My name is Ivy. If he thought spaghetti lasagna could twist his shit up, wait till you see what he's about to do. Andy Garcia is looking over the Heller file, and it's obvious at this point, if you couldn't get beaten over the head with it already, Heller is spaghetti lasagna. You know what's funny? I was like, <laughs> Heller is spaghetti lasagna. Where is he, buddy Israel? <laughs> there was a moment. Where I, just, I mean, if he kept doing plastic surgery. Right, yeah, I guess he could look young enough, right? Illusions, I mean. Ray and Diego are in the elevator. Ray wants the elevators taken offline. He'll do it when they get to the penthouse. We get a callback to Garcia talking about how the fingertips of Acosta have been chewed off as Ray looks at his hands. Ray starts asking questions to Bill as we overhear the radio they need an ambulance for Bill. Ray pulls his gun. Diego pushes out the blade, stabs Ray in the knuckle. That looked like it hurt. It hurt, yeah. It was a reverse Wolverine. Another gun comes out of his other sleeve, and then they just start shooting each other. At point blank. Over and over and over. So many times. Always got something up his sleeve, huh? Like an ace? A smoking ace? In the bonus disclosure episode with Valerie, she referenced that elevator scene when we talked to her. And so the entire movie, I'm waiting for the elevator scene. Are you waiting for something like Captain America or some shit like that? And it turns out that a third of the movie is spent in elevators. Is it it that elevator scene? Which one? You're right. There's like nine elevator scenes. I don't know which one to shoot. (laughs) Should have been called smoking elevators. They shot each other like 10 times. That's when Alicia Key's IFB picks up the signal. That's not how that works. They hear the elevators are being shut down. Lights go out in the elevator on the tremors and the lights come back on. The lights go out. Chris Pine lights a cigarette with a flare, and then Durand is apparently afraid of the dark. He's like, no dark, no more dark, no more dark. (laughs) (laughs) Did they have a generator to turn the lights on, or did the lights just come back on? I think that one of them hacked it. They have a generator because not only the lights come on, but the elevator moves. Oh, that's right, yeah. Also, is this the slowest elevator in the world, or are we supposed to believe all this happens within a two-minute period of itself? No, it's it's an incredibly slow elevator. It's not Vegas, Zach. It's Lake Tahoe. Come on. Oh, that's true. Now a white trash grandma is helping Hollis into the bath. Oh, this this whole dynamic, because she throws a dildo to the side that was just sitting there. Yeah. It was her bath 30 minutes earlier. Did they think this was like comedic relief, this whole? Yes, because then the, the stupid kid just throws his ice cream sandwich into the bath. He says he doesn't like bitches eyeballing him. Why are you eyeballing me, son? I feel like you're eyeballing me, dog. I don't like punk bitches eyeballing me. You got beef? You got beef? You want some of this? Yeah. Then he starts doing karate like Mac from It's Always Sunny. Yes, he does. He gets a boner while he does it. That's when Hollis sees the kids riddling. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I think they thought it was funny. It's like, oh, here's a little white kid like pretending to talk like a rapper, I guess. But he's also doing karate and he's horny. 
Does Ritalin give you a boner? And he lives with his Nana, who just finds it hilarious. And his Nana, who also is horny, apparently. Bateman is wearing women's underwear, sees the news report about Affleck's murder. With Vaseline in the bed with tissues while wearing women's underwear. Ivy tells Buddy he's never had real beef or hard work to do. He won't let him sell him off. Then Buddy throws a playing card and pokes Common in the eye. That's pretty badass. He can't see, and he starts shooting wildly into the room. Would that be a very useful, like, trait to be able to use? To be Gambit from X-Men? Yes. Yeah, when did Buddy become Gambit? Holy shit, bro! The fuck? Security barges in. There's considerably less blood on Common's eye when they grab him. (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah. I don't know what happened, but his eye was completely bloody, and then it looked like it was just a cut on the side of his head. He was gushing blood, and then... (laughs) just a little scratch. (laughs) (laughs) everyone also thinks he killed beanie because he was like recklessly shooting now security takes common away and it's just hugo and buddy to be fair he doesn't really like deny it no which is confusing i would be like i didn't shoot that motherfucker he gets hit in one eye but he can still see with the other eye so he can still see that he was shooting. Nor is he concerned that someone has killed his friend and is no. on the loose. It's just Fugo and Buddy. I wrote, we're almost home. We're almost home with. And then I checked the time. 40 minutes left. Dude, I'm telling you, I made the same mistake, bro. And, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I guess this thing is winding up, huh? And then my next note, smoke and exposition. Oh, boy. Taraji saw muzzle flashes, thinks it's a wrap. Alicia Keys somehow opens up elevator doors on her own with just her fingers, which I don't think that's doable. And she sees Ray with Diego, all shot up. What are they doing right now? Dying. Back to Hollis, and he's getting meds from the grandma. Old hysterectomy pills. The kid says, I'm not gay because I have a beard. My fingers are cut off. Oh, poor me. <laughs> this kid, man. That actually, I found funny. So I'm a hypocrite. Then we get a bunch of Nana exposition. His oh mama my God. abandoned him. His dad's in jail. Did some home invasion, sodomy, torture type stuff. And then her husband hung himself, wrote a bunch of bad checks. What? Why is any of this relevant? Don't know. It's just to get Hollis to have a gun because he takes her husband's gun. The husband who hung himself less than a year ago. And to get him patched up. She's a former nurse. Hotel clerk is talking to Ryan. He says it was an agent. And then he was wearing a security jacket. And Ryan Reynolds cannot believe that didn't seem odd to the zitted freak. Poor squeaky voice teen. He's just trying. Ryan wants a tactical team to go up. Fugo now has his gun, and Buddy is blabbering to him about packing up, asking about Vitali. Cut to, it's so many cuts. Like, each scene is nine seconds. Now we cut to Alicia Keys inspecting Ray Liotta. She sees that he's a fed. Now she sees the other badge. Taraji says one is faking it. Ryan can hear her over the IFB signal, as Keys says she's going to kill the fake fed, whoever that is. Now security with Common is waiting for the elevator. Smoke is coming out of the elevator doors. Common starts backing away slowly as they draw their guns. Buddy is coked out of his gourd. He answers the phone. Mecklin says they revoked the deal. Garcia smashed everything. They're done. Piven keeps doing this weird hand motion. Like he's like bringing the sunlight to him and then he starts blowing a gun. And then laughs and then drops the gun. Fugo has a syringe. Maybe calls the Swede? Fugo is taking his sweet-ass time, is all I know. Sweet time, yeah. Ryan and the team get out where Alicia Keys is with the feds. Taraji's about to cover Alicia Keys. Someone got in a helicopter. Piven's about to kill himself. He's crying as he sucks the gun a little bit more. Then he passes out, and the gun goes flying across the room. (laughs) Security is lining up for the smoking elevator. And I wrote, all caps, an hour and 16 minutes into the movie. We're finally getting the action Bukaki we've been promised. <laughs> and then we immediately cut away from it. Of course we do. 
Why would you give us the action? This is the thing. Say what you want about Guy Ritchie. He's giving us the fucking action. Joe Cardafuck or whatever his name is, not. Doesn't give us any action. Joe who? Joe Circus Freak. Because now that I remember it, I don't know that there's a whole lot of action in NARC. It's a lot of the same shit. Tremors flood out of the elevator. Ryan Reynolds directs him towards Alicia Keys. She gets a laser pointer. She uses the laser pointer to send the signal, but then also vocally gives a signal. So I don't know why you need the laser pointer. Confused. Why do we get a peek inside of the mechanics of an earpiece? No idea. That then go out to her ear, that then take us down the gun as she starts unloading the 50 caliber. It's trying to do like a tracking shot, like from action to action, but so much of it is shitty cgi that it kind of falls apart it's trying to do a lot of shit in this movie that doesn't pull off we built a city we built a city Keys asks if these feds are real. Taraji doesn't know. Diego's still alive somehow. Shoots Keys as, as the hookers get out of the elevator, which causes her to fire the gun and murder one of the hookers. Despite saying that she didn't want to kill any women. Ray and Ryan Reynolds both shoot Diego to kill him before he kills Alicia Keys. Ryan asks Ray how bad. He says, mortal. Combat! <laughs> get me a medic! Get me a fucking medic! Get me a medic! Give me a fucking minute! Taraji's moving down for a better sight line. Keys tells her she's hit. But somehow drags her away to push the elevator and get away, going up to the penthouse. Why is Taraji going to a different floor? I don't understand that either. I don't get it. When she unloads on that elevator waiting area or whatever, Ryan Reynolds and the rest of the team turn around and start shooting back? Yep. But they don't know where they're shooting. Just wildly shooting out, out the, the window. window. Right. Out a window where the closest building is at least like... 300 yards? 1,000 yards? Like, <laughs> that shit is not close. It's damn near a different hotel. It is a different hotel. It's across the street. I thought it was like the wind and the encore. That's what I was thinking. Where it's like the same property, but like different building. But again, they're so far. There's no chance a guy with a pistol can... You don't even know where which window it came from. No. You don't know where you're going. You're just shooting out wildly. You're just shooting. But then there's a guy who shot a shotgun out the window. <laughs> he did. He shot a shotgun out the window. But it would have made way more sense if she had the gun from Eraser. Oh, yeah. Because then she could have seen where she was shooting. She got really lucky. When Big Mama hit those FBI agents, it was like Helen Hunt getting smoked by that semi-truck. They went flying. <laughs> they did go, well, it's a 50 cal. The Trevor brothers are mutilating security. There's swords, there's chainsaws, there's fire, there's shotgun. Randomly guy on fire. This guy is on fire. Coven kills a small <laughs> Trevor brother who Amaze thought was marking his kills on his fucking upper lip. He didn't get too many more. <laughs> then he guns Durand onto his chainsaw. I guess he sat on it and, ki- and got killed. I don't really understand what happened to that. <sighs> we don't know what happened because when we see him later, there's no appendages cut off. His corpse is just sitting upright and dead. But the chainsaw is up his ass at that point. You guys notice that? Is it? Isn't it? No, I didn't know that. I didn't. <laughs> Welcome to Cinnabobe. Reynolds is trying to save Ray Liotta. Taraji thinks that she sees Alicia Key's body laying dead on the floor, but it's actually the hooker. So Taraji starts rage firing at everybody on the floor. And once again, they all just shoot back out the window. Just shoot back no matter where. Until Ryan Reynolds' gun, the clip is empty, and he throws that. He threw it. 
do it. Medic! He throws his fucking handgun. Yeah, goddamn medic! Taraji is out of bullets. She's having a breakdown. Hold on. I want everyone to give give me your best. I need a, a medic. Like your your partner's just been shot and you're asking for help here. Mays go. Medic! I need a medic! Oh, let me get into character. Let me get into character. Character. Okay. <clears throat> medic! I need a fucking medic! I hope my neighbors don't think I actually just yelled that. I'm fine. Just for a podcast. Uh, I mean? Oh, come on, Herc. I need a medic. <laughs> I thought you were going to do Arnold's voice. I thought Petsy would be more appropriate. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Where the fuck are we? Okay. Keys gets to the penthouse level, walks up to Chris Pine, stops him from slicing up Common. The helicopters come to the building. Pine escapes into an elevator. Common carries her away. Do they know each other? It felt racist. This is the most ridiculous meat cute in the history of movies. <laughs> Baby girl, you just saved the black man's life. Pine starts switching out clothes. Fugo goes to inject Buddy as the feds crash in. It's Garcia and they apprehend Fugo and Buddy. Garcia wants Ryan Reynolds accounted for. Carruthers is dead. Messer's unaccounted for. Account for him! <laughs> McBain is back. <laughs> Common has been carrying Alicia Keys for a while. Downstairs. Downstairs. Flights and flights, and they come from the penthouse. They don't know each other. He's just flirting. She admits that she was going in there to kill people. May have accidentally killed him, too. So she was going after Israel, acting the fool. Assassin banter? He says she's going to make him fall hard. Yeah, that's not the only thing that's hard. Before they can kiss, Ryan Reynolds cock blocks and holds him at gunpoint. She pulls a gun on him. She says she didn't kill Ray. Says, let them be. And it works. He continues upstairs. He's a horrible agent. I'm going to believe you. <laughs> Ryan sees the carnage with security and the Tremor brothers. Garcia says he can't explain it all right now. The Swede's a doctor at this point? Yes, he is. We're assessing Buddy Israel. And Garcia tells Ryan Reynolds to go back to Washington, D.C. He'll get debriefed there. Hugo grabs the gun, knocks away a fed, runs out of the room. And when they run after him, they come across Soot, who is maskless, and says Fugo ran that way. Brilliant move. Maskless. Maskless. And damn near naked. My question, he's a witness to all these federal agents crashing in. No one thought to question him? They probably did a sweep of the whole place. They didn't realize there was anybody else there, and they all just run past it. How big is this sweep? One would think. You guys are asking all the wrong questions. I just want to know, if I run out of a room and people are chasing after me, at what point do I have time to pull off a mask and take off my clothes and cower in the corner? He's a professional. Yeah. No. Professional what? Like Quicksilver? <laughs> maybe, maybe he's the ones who taught uh, the quick change folks, you know? Rest in peace, by the way. Nick Fury about to show up and recruit this guy. <laughs> Fine gets out of the elevator bloodied and dressed in normal clothes with an FBI badge, crying that they've got to get up there. Diego's on a stretcher and his blade comes out. How is he still alive? He's been shot like 30 times. Also, that's it. We never follow up with him again. <laughs> never see him again. Nope. Soot has a security shirt on walking through the lobby. Helicopter flies away. And basically 30 minutes later, no one has tried to get Taraji. We also cut to her at one point and her gun is still smoking, which really called into question the whole timeline of this movie. She sees Common carrying her in the parking lot. We hear shots fired and I guess that she got killed. Yep. Off camera. Fine walks onto the roof of the parking structure. Hollis is there waiting for him by his car. Hollis pulls the gun. He expositions about his own murder at the lake. Fine apologizes for shooting him. You shot me and you murdered my friends. Yep, I know. And you dumped us in the lake. Pretty much. 
Alice asks for the keys, says to get the fuck out of there. He apologizes for the fingers. I'm really sorry about, about all that. She gets, she gets wild and crazy. They just, they just up and fucks you for no good reason. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's the way the world. Way it's always gonna be. Then as he walks away, he's a good 25, 30 feet away. Hollis fires without looking at him. Guns him down. Didn't look. Not facing him. He's got a hand as the fingers are chopped off. Reynolds is having flashbacks to what just happened. He remembers Ray Ray dying or some shit. I don't know. Oh, there it is. There it is. I mean, there's the point where we know that Zach stopped <laughs> giving a shit about this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Some, something about it. <laughs> Uh, some shit. I don't know. You did whatever. Where are we? Uh, uh, he finds Andy Garcia. He's, he's asking about Buddy Israel or some bullshit. Who knows? Says he's there for his debriefing. He pulls his gun on Garcia. Wants to know why they weren't informed of the change in plan and situation. Make it make sense. He explains that spaghetti lasagna and Buddy Israel are father and son. What? It's an affair with the showgirl. One last round of exposition. <laughs> Young fat spaghetti lasagna with a fro wig acting his ass on <laughs> may's got a point that the wig that dude is <laughs> the same exact super old age but now he's got a wig on <laughs> so clearly clearly this is in the 70s he's young <laughs> the swede isn't a hired killer he's the head of cardiology at stockholm university so it was hired by israel to neutralize israel's entourage he said it he said it entourage. swede was going to perform the surgery as father and son, they're blood compatible. I think we did that math, guys. They didn't need to say that. He literally wanted his heart. But if you go back and listen to the original conversation, which they show clips of, it's not what they said. They're not saving spaghetti lasagna. They're saving Heller, who is actually spaghetti lasagna now. Oh, my He went into deep cover in 1940. Could have ripped apart the mafia and dismantled organized crime. Superiors were convinced he had gone rogue. FBI thought they had killed Heller. They buried Heller's ops. 60 years of mass intel. Do you have any idea how valuable that is? My question. Aren't almost all of the people in this 60 years of intel about the mob fucking dead already? Yeah, because all the agents are dead too. Yes. He says it. He he said it. Garcia says they need cohesion to move forward. Ryan Reynolds is pissed. So how is transplanting Piven's coke-addicted heart into a 90-year-old man going to help? great question. It is a great question. Ryan believes that this is useless, and I agree. This whole thing is useless. Garcia says he'll take his verbal resignation now if he wants, but he's willing to dismiss his behavior. Needs him to understand to get on board. No more inquiries into this matter. Go back to D.C. If you could clip in Andy Garcia saying, Are we clear, Agent Messner? Because it sounds a lot like Stu Gott saying someone's growing up before our eyes. <laughs> also, they're clear. Garcia leaves. Ryan walks into the room with Buddy and Spaghetti. There were just doctors and FBI agents and the director of the FBI, Andy Garcia, all hanging out. All of a sudden, they're all gone. Everyone gone. They trust Ryan Reynolds with it. He walks in the room with Buddy and Spaghetti, sits between him, pulls the plugs after locking the door. Both go into cardiac arrest. He pulls his gun out, unclips it, sets it down, pulls his badge out, puts it next to it. They're banging on the door. They're trying to break the safety glass. A lone tear streams down Reynolds' face. There are no other ways into this. How's that design work? Roll credits. That's it. That's the movie. Jesus Christ. 
Don't forget the common credit song, Play Your Cards Right, which includes the lyric, Make him strip like poker, poke a mag in his face. You tried to smoke my ace, you know the stakes is high like the aces. Ah! Kind of said it! Trivia. All the conversations by Carruthers and Messner in the surveillance van were improvised. Whoa. About the grandma pissing on him? The shot with Ben Affleck in the bar where he sinks the eight ball and continues with his monologue took over 20 shots, mainly because Affleck couldn't make the shot. When he finally did make it, he couldn't say his lines because he was laughing so hard about finally making it. Apparently, Ben Affleck never learned how to play pool. Like, I just, I can't believe that. (laughs) After filming their scene together, Ben Affleck remarked to Joe Carnahan about Chris Pine. If I could take 10% of what I'm going to make in my career and bet on anybody, I'd bet on that kid. Carnahan needed to fill the role of a speed freak neo-Nazi when he fired Michael Shannon for being rude to a costume designer, and within 10 seconds of Chris Pine's audition, Carnahan was sold. I mean, Michael Shannon would have been a great casting call in that role. That would have been really good, yeah. Michael Shannon and Kevin Durant, his brothers. Woo! I'm in on that. I'll take that backstory. Also, the scene that Ben Affleck was talking about is the scene where he lies there unconscious and dead as Chris Pine plays with his face, and he's like, yep, this kid's got talent. Yeah, but did you see his eyes? My God. I'm telling you, those eyes, deeper than the bluest. Yeah, Ian Carmel is a good-looking man. You're right. I was at Ian's this last weekend for the Oscars for a little bit. One, Ian looks fantastic. Like, he's lost so much weight. He's in such good shape. Like, he looks fantastic. Two, he has this mustache, you know? Yeah. Ian's starting to look like a young Burt Reynolds. We had him on Haber Show, and we asked him because so much of Ian's stand-up content or material was based about him being fat. Now that you're legitimately not fat anymore do you run out of content like what are you gonna self-deprecate about and that's why he grew the mustache in a rare speaking event filmmaker terrence malick has stated this film is very well directed and became one of his favorite films of all time come on terrence malick who is terrence malick by the way is it rami malick's brother tree of life wendy malick badlands really well respected artistic filmmaker no I don't respect him. Joe Carnahan said on the commentary that the exposition scene between Andy Garcia and Ryan Reynolds worked well due to Garcia and Reynolds having a natural aggression, but not animosity. And to that, I say, which one? Which exposition scene? Straight up. The movie? What story? What story? What story? What are you talking about? The tattoo on Darwin Tremor's forearm is the first verse of Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Rockney's Plumbing, the van that Laszlo jumps on, in the movie is named after Joe Carnahan's son, Rockney, and Males, M-A-I-L-E's restaurant, where the Tremor brothers have a shootout, is named after his daughter, Mail. Or Maley? I don't know. So his kids are named Rockney and Maley? I guess. Maybe he is a carny after all. The FBI helicopter's registration number is N350SC. Same helicopter that delivered Nelly Furtado to the rooftop in her video, Say It Right. Oh. In the high... See how, see how, oh, you don't need nothing at all but me. Uh, uh, what? Did he just come there between, between verses? That was the Timbaland part. <laughs> That's the Timbaland ad lib, man. You don't know say it right? I don't. Oh, it was a banger. But the helicopter was also used in previous Cinephobe next. Ah, banger. File. Repeat offender. I wish I knew how to quit you. The helicopter. <laughs> the helicopter's <laughs> repeat offender. Yes. Watch out, Bridge in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> You've got company. <laughs>
The singlet worn by Lester Tremor in the scene where he's wrestling Jeeves is the same worn by Matthew Modine in the movie Vision Quest? 1985? What? Ass on, ass off. Wait, wait, before we get to that. (laughs) I believe we've got a guest. I saved one review from the review section. Oh, no. That review is Tony Medley. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Brutal, grotesque, unrelenting graphic violence unquestionably desensitizes impressionable people to commit acts they would otherwise not even consider. Would the young valley teenager have hit his tormentor in the head with a baseball bat without the constant graphic violence shown in movie and video games? Did he think it was going to kill the bully? Or did he think his victim would just jump up as they do in the movies? This movie, masquerading as a satirical comedy, provides a crash course in deplorable, irresponsible filmmaking. A bunch of not-ready-for-the-B-list actors, including Ben Affleck, Andy Garcia, Ray Liotta, parenthetical, has he ever been in a movie that didn't have abundant violence? Jeremy Piven, Ryan Reynolds, Peter Berg, Martin Henderson, Taraji Henson, and in their motion picture debuts, Alicia Keys in Common, combined with writer-director Joe Carnahan, who has the deplorable narc, 2002, in which Leota also appeared, to his everlasting shame, have come together to make this film in which hardly a minute passes without someone being blown away with a high-powered rifle or blood splatters all over the camera or someone is yelling the F-word again and again and again. Which one? I wonder if Leota can comprehend anyone who doesn't include the F-word in each and every sentence. He fucking can't. The FBI is trying to get a mafia turncoat, Buddy Aces Israel, who is holed up in the penthouse of a Lake Tahoe, Nevada resort. Lots of other people just want to get to him, to kill him before the FBI can get its hands on him. The only positive comment I can make on this film is that Piven gives a very good performance as Aces Israel. Thus the name, everyone is trying to smoke Aces. Ha ha ha. That's the only laugh in the movie. Well, maybe that was just me. The media screening seemed to be loaded with gangstas. <laughs> I <laughs> Black people. I had to move because three sat behind me and were talking throughout the opening credits with no consideration to anyone around them. I moved to another seat and sitting next to me was a gangsta chick who laughed every time someone got his head blown off. One thing Carnahan does well is pace. This movie moves along so there's no time to doze. But then there are so many people to kill in so many different ways that it would have to move along briskly. This is a thoroughly despicable picture. For my money, a film like this deserves an NC-17 rating, far more than one dealing with explicit sex. (laughs) One good thing about it, however, is that even though Ben Affleck is listed as one of the stars, if you blink, you'll miss him. Amin, what do you think he gave Smoking Aces? Two out of ten. Three out of ten. Pretty close. I just thought about something. The reason why the mob wanted Buddy is because they want his heart. For the heart transplant. Yeah. So why would they put a dead or alive hit out on him? Why wouldn't they just tell everybody we, we need him to be captured alive? Yeah, because we need his heart. Because like if I'm a hit person. Oh, well, actually, no, actually, I mean, this is where the issue, I just figured it out. What? Everyone in the mob thinks it's spaghetti lasagna, right? But it's actually Helen Keller. They can't kill him. I wish I was Helen Keller while watching this movie. So, Spaghetti Lasagna doesn't want Buddy dead. Yeah. He just wants his heart. Right. Which is the miscommunication. So then everyone thinks, oh, we got to put a hit out on him. So then the other people put word out. That's my point. If you wanted the heart, you want the heart to be intact. If I'm a hit person, I don't know any better. I'm lighting this motherfucker up. I'm shooting him in the heart, everything. 
I'll bring a raggedy, bullet-ridden heart to you. Like, here it goes. Without being abundantly clear, we need this motherfucker here alive. Why do you say I need his heart? I mean, Go I, get me his heart. I think it's a game of telephone. Gangsta telephone. Breathe. In through nose. Out the mouth. Ass on. Ass off. Teddy Rex. Moosey Teddy Rex. Teddy Rex. Moosey Teddy Rex. Ass on. Fucking ass off. Ass on. Fucking ass off. Ass on. Jeremy Piven as Buddy Aces Israel, who all he did was do coke, play with cards, and hang out in a hotel room. Common as Sir Ivy. I don't know where the Sir came from. Or Ben Affleck as the bail bondsman Jack Dupree, his handlebar mustache and leather cap. I'm going with the kid. <laughs> Zach. Oh, no. Zach Comer as Warren. Come on, man. He's trying not to. Is he? I guess you could pronounce it like the spice, Cumer. You wanted to be generous, but no. <laughs> it's Piven to me. He was awful. Yeah, I mean, Piven's a terrible actor, right? He's only got one thing that he can do, which he does at Entourage. And since that show's gone away, guess what? So is he. For me, I actually thought Common wasn't that bad, but it's also because I've seen Just Right. So that's what I'm judging him on. Just wrong. Oh man. Yeah, I'll go Piven. I'm I'm good with Piven was terrible. Ass off. You said Taraji P. Henson, Zach, is Sharice Waters. Oh yeah, she was great. Jason Bateman is Rip Reed. Ooh. That's my vote. Ooh. Or Chris Pine is Darwin Tremor. Oh, Pine was good too. It was between Pine and Jason Bateman, and for me it was just I think back to that Jason Bateman scene, and it was the one bright spot in this entire goddamn movie. It's just the Dick Beaters line, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's all they but Dick. I'll roll with you on Bateman. I'm good with that. I'm in on that as well. I mean, he only really had that one scene because the second scene was just a, a callback, but he was perfect in that scene. It was the first part of the movie where I'm like, all right, I see what they're doing here. Like, this is pretty funny. Well, I mainly eat out of a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> I should try that. I need some new dresses. Don't. <laughs> Or if you do, stay away from the one in Ocean and Wilshire. That's mine. Seriously. Stay out of it. Golden Dumpster nominees, the 4x100 meter exposition relay, Chris Pine talking to Ben Affleck's dead body and holding his eyes open and making him smile, the comedic stylings of Karate Kid and Nana, the Tremors. I would watch a Tremors prequel. I was into what they were doing, but then they come out of the elevator, basically get killed immediately. And then Common and Alicia Keys falling in love? Ooh, I mean, oh, my man ad living his entire speaking role <laughs> to Hugo or to Fugo, I should say. Oh, Beanie? Yeah. Maze? While I will think back on this movie and remember that elevator scene, which I am going to choose Chris Pine holding Ben Affleck's eyes open and making him smile. Dick beaters. My golden dumpster is dick beaters. Oh, your golden dumpster. Got it. <laughs> All right, Maze. You picked it, motherfucker. Bober file. I had never seen this movie. I remember when it came out. I remember the vibe from it. And I just wasn't really that interested. I picked this for Ben Affleck month. Blind. Real blind. <laughs> Unknowing that Ben Affleck would get murdered after... Basically just giving a bunch of exposition and being a, a down-on-his-luck bail bondsman. Was he down-on-his-luck? Wasn't he? 
Welcome to Cinephobe. I could see how if you watch this movie without having to take notes, it would be better. Because all they do for the beginning is just give exposition and repeat exposition and do flashbacks. The pace is there, but it is so repetitive. The Heller, Helen Keller reveal was so heavy-handed. When we finally get to the action, the tremors go down in 10 seconds flat. The only person who really messes shit up is Common. I wanted more out of it. It's a phobe. I mean, like Maze, I, I remember this movie when it came out, but I never saw it. I thought it was going to be a run-of-the-mill kind of action movie. I was shocked. What started as a throwaway joke, just because they had a title card, an exposition film, I was waiting for one of you guys to say, yeah, but Star Wars does that shit too. And I'm like, all right, you know, okay. I just thought I'd have a little fun with it. And then to find out that this movie is literally nonstop wall-to-wall exposition was just a shock. The fact that Ben Affleck appeared in like two scenes and dies, and most of his dialogue is <laughs> during Affleck month, no less, is exposition. That was a shock. The fact that the twist was just as bad as it was was a shock. The fact that Ryan Reynolds and his gang shot back out of a window blindly, just <laughs> into space. <laughs> Threw his gun. Oh, that should have been a Golden Dumpster nominee. Ryan Reynolds throwing his gun. Did someone on the street get hit in the head by a gun that fell from the fucking penthouse level and die? This movie was, in the word, atrocious. And if you're right, Zach, that there were listeners of our podcast who actually thought this movie was good, then you guys need to stop listening to the podcast. Welcome to Cinephone. (laughs) (sighs) Am I going to sweep this? Skip Bayless. I remember buying the DVD. Why did you buy the DVD? That's a great opening question. That was back in the day where you were just buying DVDs constantly. I think I saw, I mean, I know I saw the movie. I think, <laughs> I know I saw the movie in the theater. Dun, 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 That was back in the day. <laughs> Zach's got his hair super gelled. He's wearing a suit, <laughs> like a brown suit. <laughs> wearing a suit suit. Yeah, but it's got like a wife beater underneath. He's not actually have a shirt on. <laughs> He's got a cigarette. He's like, baby. Are you just turning me into Gotti? Casino. I'm thinking about Casino. It was a different time. We just, if we wanted DVDs, we'd bought them. There were no rules to this shit. I know I saw, I know I saw the movie in the theater. Then worse, I liked it enough to buy the DVD when it came out. Look, I had less discerning taste back then, you know? I didn't know what was good and what was bad. Okay. I just knew, I just knew if it had people I liked, I was going to support it. I remember there being so much more action in this movie than there actually is. And maybe I'm warped by this podcast pointing out exposition no. after exposition, but this is a phobe. This is just not a good movie. It's boring. That's the thing. It's boring. Apparently not to 2007 Zach. Oh, 2007 Zach? You kidding me? Bang, 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 That's bang, back bang, when bang, I was bang, buying The Wash and Soul Plane. $20 a pop on DVD. Jesus Christ. Sight unseen. What were you doing for a living? I was working at the mall. At Oakley. Back then. Spending that Oakley money. What year was this? This was 2006. Yeah, I was making that Oakley money, man. We wore sunglasses whenever we wanted because we got them for 75% off or for free if they fell off the back of the truck, if you know what I mean. Those other schlubs who worked their nine to fives trying to afford a good pair of wraparound sunglasses. They were nobodies to us. Not me. I was working 1 to 9.30. Nine's when the mall closed. You had to make your way to Johnny Rockets to put in an order by 8.40. 
But you didn't get fed that night. <laughs> is that real? Is that real? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I ate at a Johnny Rockets one time in my life. Oh, my God. I was a scout. It was, I was in Philadelphia. I was trying to get food, and everywhere was cash only. All I have is my card. And so the only, like, establishment that took credit cards was Johnny Rockets. And I was like, you know what? I've seen these all the time. Yeah. I'm excited about this, like, this little 50s experience, whatever. That shit was so expensive. And so trash. I was so goddamn mad. So here's the reason Johnny Rockets was a staple is because one, in the mall, the food court was on the other end of the mall from the Oakley store. (laughs) And Johnny Rockets was right around the corner of the hallway. So when you walked in, there was not Auntie Anne's, but what's the other? Orange Julius. Well, there was an Orange Julius, but no, there was another one. There was a hot dog and a stick. There was an orange Julius. And then there was some other pretzel place. Wetzel's? Wetzel's pretzels. No, 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 no. It was different than that. There was a third one. A third pretzel place. Pretzel kiosk. And then Johnny Rockets. But look, you couldn't get to the pretzel place. You couldn't get to the orange Julius. And you couldn't get the hot dog on a stick late in the day because all the stuff was going to be bad. It was all congealed at that point. But Johnny Rockets was still fire and fresh. And they gave us a mall discount. And if you flirted with the host, two of the hosts... One was a girl, and there was a gay guy who liked me. And so if you flirted a little bit, you could get a discount. You know, maybe get a free fries with that shake. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I played the game, all right? I played the game, and I got – but you had to get that order in by 840 because they were getting the fuck out of there in the kitchen. Oh, my God. What a world. (laughs) It was a different time, man. What a lot. And not to brag – but your boy was an assistant manager at the Oakley store, okay? I thought you were going to say, not to brag, but I got extra fries with my shake every time. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. I mean, you want to go next? I'm going with Armageddon. Oh! Yeah. It's two and a half hours. I don't. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Hold on. Let me. No, 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 no. In that case, hold on. No, lock it in. Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the running time didn't have a deep impact on your memory. Let's face it, you're tired, you're stressed, you don't want to come up with a whole ass dinner plan on your own, and. Ordering out, going to a restaurant at this point, it's just too expensive. So let HelloFresh take care of your meal because they cut out the stressful meal planning and the grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. That's right. Not only is it going to be relatively quick for you, right? Under 30 minutes, you're going to have a nice meal that is really well done because you can't mess it up. It's so easy to do, and yet it tastes so good for you. But at the same time, the value, according to a Zagat or Zagat dining survey, HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper. That's right. 72% cheaper than going to a restaurant and you don't even have to sacrifice the quality of the meal. It's going to be great. Sometimes I like to cook with my girlfriend. Sometimes I like just to cook on my own, but I always like to cook good food. And here's the thing. It's got all the prep work done for you. You just start doing the ingredients. You follow the instructions. And within 30 minutes, you got a nice hot meal. 
How do you get that, you ask? Let me tell you, you cinephobiacs. You're going to go to HelloFresh.com slash Dings12 and use the codes Dings, D-I-N-G-S, 1-2 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. HelloFresh.com slash Dings12. Use the code Dings12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. It is the best way for you to go prepare your dinner, impress your significant other, impress your kids, impress yourself with what you can do in under 30 minutes with HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit.